What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Track 32, the Rook and the Med Guy. Uh, <laughs> obviously, uh, I'm your host, the Rook, and I'm joined by the medical guy. Um, the divisional, or I'm sorry, the wild card round and divisional round has just completed. And so we're going to be covering, you know, the NFC and AFC matchups, um, which honestly, the entire slate was very entertaining. Almost every single game outside of, I guess, maybe the Ravens and Texans was a close one. Uh, but it was exciting until, like, I guess the late in the second half. But a great slate of NFL games, which we're going to get into depth on, as well as predicting the upcoming championship games. Um, we're also going to do a little, you know, mini segment on Josh Allen with Shatter the Script. And, of course, the DB list, um, as well as um, finishing off with some of our track rankings, our top three playoff games. But if you're a first-time listener, we wanted to let you guys know you can like, follow, and subscribe to this podcast on any platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Um, Spotify and YouTube are our video platforms, and audio is strictly on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at track.pod or on Twitter at the thetrackpod. Um, so anything out of there, you'll find our link tree. You can find us at any, on any platform, however you want to listen to us, whatever content you want to see. So if you're first time or if you've been here the whole time, thank you for joining in. I hope you enjoy the episode. With that being said, the medical guy, welcome to track 32. I believe this is our around our 65th total episode. Um, so, so we've been grinding. We've been, we've been truly grinding. Yeah. Um, and speaking of guys that like to grind. We got Josh. <laughs> we got Josh Allen. Um, this dude, I mean, you can't really say enough about him. And in, in, in terms of this season, um, I mean, this man led a team that struggled all season long. Um, you know, when Josh Allen did not show up, we said it every episode practically um, that when this dude did not show up to play, then this team truly, truly struggled. Uh, they would lose against teams they would not lose that, that they shouldn't have lost to. Um, but when you got Josh Allen to show up, which was a majority of the time, obviously, since they've won, you know, around 11 games, um, including a playoff game, is that you got a spectacular performance. Um, and I think that really, truly showed how valuable Josh Allen is for this franchise and for this team. Um, and obviously, we'll get into a little bit later um, after you kind of give your take on the Shatter script about how, you know, maybe, you know, Facing the big bad Thanos is maybe the only thing stopping, and I've got some insight on that that I'm going to get into as well. Um, but I wanted to start off by saying like those things about how valuable Josh Allen is, but at the same time, as the season has progressed, we've also seen how much more valuable Josh Allen is compared to Stephon Diggs. And now people are starting to question if Diggs is a number, is a number one receiver. I saw a stupid post um, on TikTok. It was one of the – I think it was the same guys that did – they exposed um, Dov Cleveland, but they were talking about, I don't think it was, it was, it was one just like it, but they, they talked about head to head comparisons of digs. I was lost. I was flabbergasted by the guys they picked over <laughs> digs. Uh, Pickens uh, is a prime example of a guy he took over digs. I just, anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I want to know your thoughts. I mean, obviously Josh Allen doesn't get it done in the playoffs. We're going to get into the game breakdown, but you know, just on Josh Allen himself, his journey this year, the past couple of years, you know, not making it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And so not to take anything away from Josh Allen, because he's a great player, great quarterback. And, you know, all the intangibles there are just are just, I mean, almost elite and just kind of the take I have on it. And I guess uh, shattering the script is, is when like he gets into the playoffs, right? 
And we talk about how, you know, who he loses to and yada, yada. But I don't think anybody's talked about who he wins against. And so that's kind of what I have listed here. Okay. And so he has wins in 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023 in the playoffs. Okay. 2020. uh, His two wins were first one was against the Colts and had the quarterback was Phillip Rivers. Uh (laughs) And so second game he won was against the Baltimore Ravens. And you're like, well, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson suffered a concussion in the third quarter and Tyler Huntley had to finish the game. Okay. 2021. He wins big game, great game. Loses to the uh, and uh, he wins the game he won was against the Patriots. Quarterback Mac Jones. Okay, twenty twenty two, Miami Dolphins wins has a phenomenal game. Okay, not taking anything away from him. Guess who the quarterback was for the Miami Dolphins? Uh, the backup, Skylar Thompson. I don't even think he's on a roster anymore. Okay, twenty twenty three wins against the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Steelers. Who's a quarterback? Mason Rudolph. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not taking anything away from him because in a lot of these playoffs, yeah, he's got phenomenal numbers in the playoffs. I'll yeah, go ahead and right. say it. Like, I'm not going to take anything away from him. But when you look at his wins, and I guess the script we're shattering, and the one I'm trying to make is the goalpost moving for certain players. Yes. Right. Yes. And so, true. and so the goalpost moves for certain players, but then we only focus on who we lose to and not who we win against and stuff like that. And I, I just kind of saw something about it. And I was like, well, I want to go look at this. I don't want to be like saying stupid stuff and being like, you know, Oh, well, blah, blah. but like when you look at his wins, it's against like, he's the better quarterback by far. Right. And when he plays and I know it's Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, right. and you can say what you want to say about Joe Burrow, but when he faces those bigger quarterbacks and those big time quarterbacks, he seems to lose to him. And my shatter of the script on, on Josh Allen is I think where he got so much better this year is when the new offensive coordinator for the bills took over. And what I'm thinking went on in that quarterback room and that offensive room is basically the offensive coordinator said like, Hey, you have to stop making these crazy plays and we don't need you to be Superman all the time. And if you look at all the stats and, and another thing I've, I've kind of noticed was that it seemed to me like the OC was saying like, Hey, you can like, you're an athlete, like you're a better athlete than a lot of people on the field. If you see it run. And right. if you look, his number of carries ticks up just a tad and he had a lot of rushing TDs and he also had a drop in interceptions and especially bad interceptions. Yeah. And those games were a lot better and a lot cleaner. Now, and to your point, they started incorporating more of those tight ends, more of the running backs and stuff like that. And I think that's what uh, is going to get him over the hump even more. Beating these guys is not making that mistake and being okay with taking that 10 yard gain instead of the 30 yard gain where we saw multiple times in that last drive where he. You know, tried to bomb it down the field when he had an open guy. And then the next play did the same thing when he had an open guy right there. And so that's just kind of my my whole take in it is, is why don't we or why did the goalposts get moved on other people? And then Josh Allen, it's like, oh, well, he loses to Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. So we can't say anything about him. I just think that's I think that's kind of contradicting. So, yeah. 
I think those are excellent points. And that goes hand in hand, luckily, with what I was kind of going to talk about here is me and uh, me and Hunter were talking about it, is that if you put Josh Allen in the NFC and compared his quarterback, you know, freakness to the rest of the NFC where you got Purdy, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, and all those kinds of guys versus the AFC where you've got multiple MVP and MVP candidates every year. You're basically going against the, the Thanos gauntlet in the AFC every year. Okay, I'm going to beat uh, it was supposed to be Tua, you know, I'm going to beat Mahomes. Okay. Gotcha. If I get past Mahomes, okay. Now I get to beat the MVP Lamar Jackson. Okay. Gotcha. And then I get to the NFC and you're clearly the better quarterback. And so we're talking about how if Josh Allen hypothetically was in the NFC. We would, we would probably think that hypothetically he would have already been in the Super Bowl or won one. Um, so yes, there is that factor to play in, you know, the AFC, but if you're going to be the best of the best of the best, you got to beat the best. And there are specific quarterbacks who had those exact same adjustments that you were talking about where less turnovers. Yeah, he did kind of still have that fumble problem, but less turnovers, not making careless mistakes. Um, and it made a dramatic difference in their performance. Hence, Dak Prescott in his career year this year, this best year on paper. And we talked about it all preseason and it, and it, uh, we compared Josh Allen and Dak Prescott together. I don't want to put them in the same name right now. I'm just saying, put it in perspective. Last year, we had this narrative where it was like, who has the most turnovers, you know, since 2021 or whatever it was, and their years this year and how they just transformed. But, you know, you look at his playoff path and Dak's playoff path and players like them, and you want the first thing ESPN said was I know that we're supposed to come on here and defend Josh Allen, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go against the grain and I'm going to kind of attack him. And you're like, whereas on a quarterback like Dak's side, it's I know we're supposed to disrespect Dak here, but I'm going to go against the grain and defend him. And it's just, we talk about double standards all the time and you bring up amazing points with that. And it's like, if you're going to talk about Josh Allen, yeah, you have to be real. When he plays the best quarterbacks, and yes, he is a freak, and yes, he is an outstanding athlete, and he's valuable to their team, franchise, whatever, and he carried this franchise, sure. But you have to beat the best. And it's the same applies to a guy like Dak or a guy like Jalen Hurts or a guy like Brock Purdy. Um, Jared Goffson had a pretty favorable matchup in playoffs. He's going to go against a great roster. So, yeah, those are excellent points there. Um, yeah which we'll get into it more with um, the Bills versus Chiefs game analysis as well. But I'll let you do the uh, – move into the DB list presented <laughs> to you by the medical guy. Yeah. And so get into the uh, get into the two-minute drill. Uh, starting off with the DB list. We won't go into injury analysis right now. Um, but to start off, I got a few of them. Um, starting off with an honorable mention one, just because we probably got to keep this in there for a little bit until the pain goes away. But Dallas Cowboy fans, um, and then slash me, uh, because I made some picks on the last podcast and majority of them did not hit. Now, I did say it came down to whoever had the better kicker and the Buffalo Bills ended up whiffing on that one. And so that kind of helped me a little bit, but my other picks were just completely wrong and out of the water. Um, and then next, this is kind of a funny one. Take it out of you may. 
uh, but I kind of agree with it. But, you know, the patriarchy patriarchy is on the DB list. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but in the Oscars this past <laughs> week, uh, <laughs> Ryan Gosling and his character Ken and song Ken, uh, I'm just Ken, got nominated at the Oscars for the Bar- Barbie movie. Don't know if you saw the Barbie movie, but it was basically defeating the whole patriarchy that, you know, the male species has created. And so it's just kind of ironic that <laughs> one guy in it wins an award for the movie and gets nominated. Um, that is hilarious. So, <laughs> boom, baby! Uh, I, I was like, man, that's a, that's a tough look. Um, and so that made it on there. Uh, second, I don't know if you saw the video come out, but uh, Iowa and Ohio State in women's basketball play a couple nights yeah. ago. Caitlin Clark was running off the uh, was running off the court and committed a tech of her own. And what I want to say about her committing a tech was that from multiple angles, it looked like a massive flop. And so uh, she was running off the court and obviously made contact with a fan and then pulled a LeBron James and flailed and fell all over the court. And then they came out of the press conference about it. And it was just like, from those different angles, it was like, dude, just, just, it wasn't that big of a deal and whatnot. And she didn't get hurt or anything. So I thought that was kind of a, a weird look on it. <laughs> and then number one on the DB list, don't know if you saw this, but uh, Chuck, Chuck Schumer, uh, <laughs> Senator for New York, I believe. Yeah. Um, wants the government to crack down on Zen production says it oh, is that. a, tub of disaster or whatever and it's like it's kind of ironic someone from new york you know just you know <laughs> we finally have something we finally have something good in this world and you know something that makes people happy and it's like nope we gotta stop it we gotta right. do something we gotta tax it extra we gotta do something else and so it's like brother calm down like just let us have our fun yeah like, you yeah, know sure. we're you know middle class individuals we just need something everybody's got their everybody's got their vice and this is ours and it's not necessarily hurting people outside of their own choice. So just, just let us be, let us be, man. Just please. let us enjoy life just for a little bit. So let us be white, please. <laughs> okay. There's that too. Um, <laughs> let, me the, that. let us white males be white males. We like our Zins. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think Zins are uh, discriminatory. So I think they could be. I, don't think, so, everybody. I think they are. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so I thought that was like with all the things going on in the world and then you're wanting to crack down on that. I mean, it's not like the nineties where, you know, local medical stores were pushing, you know, narcotics and whatnot and destroying actual communities. It, it's, it's just, it's just nicotine. my guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like calm down. So I feel like you got more important things to worry about, but, um, Absolutely. that wraps up my DB list. Uh, thought it was a lot, it was a lot more, it was a lot fun a lot of fun to do like different things and not, you know, sports related outside of the Cowboys fans. Um, I thought all of them were just kind of funny depending on your type of humor. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's hilarious that what I think wasn't it a week or two ago, we were talking about the excitement of Caitlin Clark and the yeah. LSU basketball player. And we're sitting there like, Oh shit. Caitlin Clark's back in the news. Oh, it's that. I was like, Oh, there. Yeah. Um, well, well, when you saw the main one, like the ESPN view of it or whatever, it was like, oh, dang, she kind of got rocked. And then, like, you watch the other ones and you're like, bro, just move out of the way. Like, you're an yeah. athlete. Like, move to the left or the right. Like, yeah. Do a little shimmer. Like, <laughs> Yeah, she acts like she got, you know, was on that. Uh, what's uh, what's the old 
the old uh, thing they used to do on ESPN when someone got when someone Knocked got rocked down. on the yeah, it's like you know it looked like that from one angle and then the other angle. It's like dude, like just you know get out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> and with Chuck Schumer, I mean, uh, with um, something related to Chuck Schumer, I'll put it on my DB list because I saw something. <laughs> That it was, it's it's related to climate change, and they're, they're new. You know, they originally went after gas stoves or whatever it was. Yeah. Well, now they're going after coffee. I don't know if you saw that. That says that no. coffee rele- releases CO two or something, some type of toxin in the coffee. And I'm like, <laughs> no, come on. Yeah. We can't do this. I mean, was- I survive on zins and coffee throughout the workday. <laughs> you can't take away. I mean, you can have the coffee, sure, but don't take away my zins. Don't tread on yeah. my zins, you know? Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, it's like the whole argument that, you know, the methane gas produced from, you know, cows shitting and whatnot was, like, destroying the ozone. It's like, oh, yeah, that, that's it. That's the, yeah. the you know, point zero 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 one of the ozone being destroyed due to, you know, a major agricultural producer. And it's like, come on now, like, yeah. don't you got, don't you have better things like, yeah. <laughs> like actually saving the world? Like, <laughs> yeah, a, a verified source told me that the reason that there were a billion cops that showed up to the Miami mall was because <laughs> the 25 um, teenage young American males all farted at the same time, releasing toxic <laughs> CO2 toxins across the city of Miami. And it was a yeah. Yeah. And the red button was hit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, shit. Exactly. Oh my God. Yeah, what a joke. What a joke. That's a good DB list. All right. Yes, we do have a tracking the boys segment. Yes, we are still Cowboys fans, despite the Rangers and Stars jerseys. We rep the brand still, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, we wanted to talk about a couple of topics that are as soon as basically recorded our last week's episode. Um Mike McCarthy was announced that he was going to return as the Dallas Cowboys head coach, you know, and there are some rumors that, you know, uh, Dan Quinn, you know, he's been having interviews with six or seven different teams and that he's going back for his second interview with three NFL teams. You know, he spent the last three or four seasons with the Cowboys. Um, and so kind of, we don't, we kind of want to look ahead, you know, way too early type of deal with these Dan Quinn interest from these three teams, you know, getting his second interviews and Mike McCarthy returning. um, We initially saw some reports saying that they were both going to return. And I think on this podcast in particular, we're kind of looking to see Dan Quinn depart from Dallas. Um, And it's not to say that he is the worst coordinator in the world and that, you know, it's not as bad as like your Kellen Moore scenario here. (laughs) But, you know, uh, at the same time, me personally – you know, this this defense and offense have hand-in-hand struggled against good teams for the past yeah. three years. And it's something Cowboys fans, analysts across, you know, whether you're a Cowboys analyst or whether you're an NFL analyst, they can't quite put their finger on it. They're like, okay, well, Dallas destroys these average to bad teams by 30 points, 40 points, whatever, just roasting these guys. And, like, we came out against the New York Giants week one, dropping a 40-bomb on their heads and people are saying, wow, this defense is incredible. And then you go against good teams like the 49ers or you get crumbled by the Cardinals somehow. And then you go against the bills and get crumbled and you go against the Packers, the seventh seed in the playoffs and get crumbled. And 
no one can seem to put a finger on what the issue is. But, you know, it, like I said, it goes hand in hand to where when Dan Quinn's defense struggles against good teams, it seems that the offense, you know, not as much as the defense does, does not show up either. And I think that is a pure reflection on the entire coaching staff um, in general, which is why we've kind of had our expectations set for 2024 with Mike McCarthy returning. And me, like Mike McCarthy is not a bad coach. Um, and no coach in recent memory has been able to escape that we are the most penalized team. I think that's a very suspicious one that after all yeah. these years, we're always, always, always going to be the most penalized team in the NFL. And that just comes with being, you know, I'm not trying to victimize the Dallas Cowboys here, but that's the stats don't lie in that category. And, you know, it just when a good team plays against this defense, you're seeing, you know, an undisciplinary defense. You're seeing offsides. You're seeing uh, holding on the interior uh, interior D line. You're seeing uh, just complete collapse like we saw in the Packers game and wondering what the hell. And so I'm curious, like, you know, with McCarthy returning, you know, do you think that Dan Quinn's going to return as well? Do you think it's a good idea that he leaves, um, could you possibly see a better replacement or a, a, I don't know, like a, a rainbow on the other side of the forest here. If we were to lose a guy like Dan Quinn and retain Mike McCarthy simultaneously, uh, I guess looking ahead here, what do you kind of see, you know, the Cowboys doing? Yeah. Well, um, obviously Mike McCarthy returning is, is kind of like, a I don't, I don't know if, if you want to say like a good or bad thing, it's kind of like, man, whatever. Right. Um, but the, the one thing I can take away is if you've looked at Mike McCarthy and his offense is that it has gotten better. Like, yeah, like true. it's improved. Like he said, like, Oh, we're going to cut down on the interceptions and Dak Prescott's got to be a better quarterback and be more in the rhythm. That was true this year. And where on the other hand, the Dallas Cowboys defense, you know, kind of regressed a lot. And yes, you, you could talk about Dan Quinn, like maybe not being as good this year and whatnot. And I'm not trying to give him an excuse, but losing Trayvon Diggs at the beginning of the year really, really, really hurts you because then you, like we've talked about, you got to move people to number one where Deron Bland has shown that he's really good in slot coverage, you know, and then you're, you're you know, mix, mix matching. You had Hankins get hurt. You had also get hurt a little bit. You had Vander Esch, good or bad, get hurt. He at least is the play caller on there. And so, you know, you're, you can, you can say like how he didn't do as well, but at the same time, I think you still have to look at the higher up. And so when you see like, Hey, we've got some injuries going on, we've got this, this, and this, and you can kind of see the writing on the wall, especially in those last six weeks where it was like, Hey man, these we need some linebackers, and for us to like not make a move and get rid of our other linebackers to open up space for a third string tackle and a running back and stuff. That's where you know you could take a little bit off of them because like they can't go and sign people. The GMs and all that have to sign people. They put the rosters together. Like right. we say what we want to say, but if if you don't have the pieces there. I mean, you just have to make do with that, what you have to make do. And so I don't think Dan Quinn, like you said, is a bad coordinator. He's had really good teams. He's had, you know, really good defenses. And 
I don't know just with how it's looking. I think he's going to go somewhere else just because I think he's got the resume. Uh, he's got the backing of the locker room. It seems like the locker room likes him a lot. And I think that actually goes a long way. And yeah. so, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, he's got, you know, uh, three years of a dude having, you know, 13 plus sacks. He's got, you know, three Most years takeaways. of of two yeah. different dudes having almost double digit takeaways. And so it's like, he does have some good things. Personally, I'd like to see him go somewhere else and us go a different direction just because of how, like you said, us playing good teams and just absolutely folding in it. It just kind of got old and I'd hate to be like that, but like, you know, if it's kind of like the chaos theory or, or what the insanity theory, like thinking yeah. the same thing, thinking something's going to happen with the, with uh, the same process. And it's like, you just want to see something hopefully better and different. And at the same time, I do trust Mike McCarthy and bringing in someone that can do a good job because when he gets to pick who he wants to pick, good things normally work out. Yeah. So that's just where I think we're going with it from the defensive aspect. Yeah. And in the locker room, you know, um, Micah Parsons has voiced out his opinions on, you know, that he wants Dan Quinn to stay um, and, you know, losing a guy like your, your best asset at cornerback, Trayvon Diggs going out, you know, the all pro cornerback. And then you've got your, your bulkiest linebacker to exit, like he mentioned. And, you know, there were complaints in the Packers game and in, in games that we got crumbled that, you know, Hey, where are these we're putting 205 pound linebackers in there on goal line stops in the red zone. And you're probably wondering, okay, well, where are our linebackers? Well, the only one I can ever recall being an actual, an actual linebacker was DeMond Clark, who yeah. is still in his growing phases in terms of progressing as an NFL, you know, linebacker. And um, of course you had Overshone get injured in the preseason who everybody was very, very excited about. Um, and I spoke highly of him on this podcast and Cowboys fans are really looking to get integrated into this defense, whoever's coordinating it um, in the following year. And unfortunately, I don't think um, Leighton Vanderess is going to be able to return. But, you know, if it were me, I, in terms of Dan Quinn departing, it would be best for the locker room if it was on Dan Quinn's own terms and that yes. he wasn't shoved out the door. Now, yes. if, if he decided – I don't want – I'm – like last year we said, okay, he knows that he is best as a defensive coordinator. And he knows that the head coaching thing is kind of a thing of the past and that his most success has honestly come from outside of one year with the Atlanta Falcons with the MVP, uh, Matt Ryan, that year. Outside of that year, you know, he, he kind of struggled as, as the head coach. And so I think he's in a spot to where he made a promise to the franchise and to the players that he was going to win them a championship. And my gut says that he's going to stay. My my gut is that um, he's going to stay. We're going to you know keep keep our key players in like Parsons. You know Bland's going to go back to being that slot corner. Which, if you look at it from a positive aspect, Deron Bland got plenty of work this year on the outside, which is really yeah. good in case you know shit goes wrong again. And he had nine interceptions or so, you know, to complement that. So when you're looking at it from that point of view, if you want to look at it from a positive outlook. With him returning, you still got those key pieces that have been under Dan Quinn's system for that long, and you're going to repatch at linebacker. Um, but I, like again, like this goes back, like the head coaches, yeah, they can't, especially with Jerry Jones' system, they can't go out and sign players. They can't say, "I want this guy, go get him," because yeah. 
the front office of Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones and those kind of guys are, they think they're the GM of the football team, which is just not the case. That's why Will McClay, our player personnel director, is getting interviews for being a GM because he's been, you know, majoritively responsible for drafting these guys that we've, that we have. And yeah. it's just, it's a constant thing of uh, those back to that old adage we always say is that we like our guys and, we we don't like yeah like that terminology you know it's, yeah if there is something better out there the other teams your competition are going out and they're getting these guys and we're jealous of guys like I know Howie Roseman's getting a lot of heat this year in Philadelphia but shit dude I, I, he went out and replaced everything that he lost and upgraded at those positions and so um, yeah I mean I, with M- McCarthy returning. You kind of know what you're getting. You're getting a, a winning regular season football program that's probably <laughs> going to be, you know, uh, able to win the division, at least be in contention to do it. Your your issue here is good teams, which are playoff teams. And yeah, and we'll see, you know, what can happen there, I guess, in the future. with Yeah. Uh, with that. And, and to touch on the linebacker thing is like, like when you look at that front seven, like – and like you say, it's an old adage about that is like, you got to have size there. And, you know, I think a biggest thing is like those injuries up front to like Hankins and, and Osa, um, you know, plus the, the, you know, decline in weight of, of uh, Mozzie Smith, like that, that affects those linebackers too. And yeah. so like when you've already got a depleted front and then you're asking, you know, I mean, Demond Clark is obviously of size, but like your other linebackers who were 215 pounds tops, like to go and make those plays and fill a hole and stack the line, it's just not going to happen. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, and you could talk, yeah, and you could talk to the analysts, like being an offensive lineman once he got into college. Like, I'm sure, like, obviously, he probably wasn't the biggest lineman, but if at one point he was a pretty, pretty burly dude especially in college when they made him put on weight, I'm sure he was licking his chops when he had to get to the second level and saw somebody that was six foot, yeah. you know, two Oh five instead of six, two and two forty five. Like, right. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, the law of inertia there. And so, or yeah, the law of inertia yeah. and everything. And so that's where I still think it falls back on the front office a little bit is like, you know, you went in with, that and then obviously it looks like they made a plan for Mozzie Smith to lose a little weight because you don't just lose 30 pounds without a plan. And I think it kind of set that defense up for failure a little bit right there. And so, yes, the scheme sometimes didn't work and that's on the coach. Like, obviously we've talked about like, why are we not rushing Micah Parsons on a third and nine? Why are we dropping him back in coverage? What are we doing here? Like yada, yada. But at the same time, they weren't set up with success very well. And, the points you make about like, you know, going out and getting, getting product, right. You know, if like the 49ers went out and got chase young, like they didn't need them, but what if they did? And so I think that's, that's kind of the thing is like, you know, if we would have went and got out, got a couple of big names or some key pieces and would have made it further in the playoffs, no one would complain and be like, well, why did we get this guy that helped? Like nobody's going to sit there and complain about that. I mean, it's kind of the the point I make with like Major League Baseball. Like, yes, there's a salary cap, but there's not really, you know, yeah. props to the Rangers. Like go out and get some dudes, spend money. And if you win a ship, no one cares. Right. Like just pay the fine next year. 
you got to ship. Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's just kind of my with. point right there is, is like, I think, it, I think it's more blame on the top. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, and that's been a reoccurring issue for, for years, 20, yeah, multiple <laughs> decades, um, approaching three <laughs> decades now. And it's something that Cowboys fans can't do anything about and analysts can't explain. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, and it, the atrocity is that I've heard a couple times from Jerry Jones is that this is working is that I've heard him say that exact phrase where it's like, you know, we have uh, the recipe for a championship. And I'm like, what, what evidence makes you believe that you've, you've had the best roster that Cowboys fans have seen since Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin and Emmett Smith the last Absolutely. three years and have not accomplished even an a, a NFC championship. It's failure. And it, and it unfortunately goes back on your two um, faces of the, of the team. And that's McCarthy and Dak Prescott. And which kind of leads us into Dak Prescott with the, uh, the contract, issue that we have here i mean you sent uh, a, a great post um on twitter and our in our group chat talking about you know the salary cap issues with dak prescott and that there's a lot that you know dallas got to figure out but that this is kind of a repeat of what happened with tony romo when we extended him and he played five games in two years um which led into magically running up on dak prescott who we got lucky with in the draft who became our franchise quarterback, but you know, that isn't a guarantee almost ever. Um, it's yeah. something that you consider like we consider a miracle. Um, yeah. And so now we're here again, we're stuck with that, you know, large salary cap hit that Romo had, but thankfully we had a rookie quarterback on a fourth round deal in yeah. three years to make sure that he was the guy and almost not pay him on a franchise tag when he snaps his ankle. And now we're here in hindsight's 2020 history always repeats itself. Um, and so I was kind of go in to that, uh, to that different document or whatever that we have with, you know, the cap, but yeah, you know, I kind of have it paraphrased. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. I was going to pull it up, but I was going to, I was stumbling on Twitter, but uh, yeah, go yeah. Ahead. Yeah. So with the, with the Dak Prescott situation, so he's going into his final year of this contract. Yeah. And so basically he's, he's owed 60 million or whatever this year. And so you have three options, essentially, because there's 17 different options, but there's three ones you would actually look at. And it's cut Dak Prescott, which obviously you don't want to do. OK, because and like I was trying to trying to say to Hunter and whatnot, like it's not just one year because what he has in his contract is called void years. So yes. what void years are made up years, essentially, if you get cut or something like that happens. And so it, it could get spread out. And so. What that means is, say, if you cut him and it's a $60 million cap hit and he has the two to three years of void years hit on that, that means you're still paying for him for a few years. And so it's not just one year. And with $60 million, it'll probably get spread out two to three years. We could do the math there. And right. so you're not just sitting there and just taking this hit for one year and sucking for a year. And then you're all good and dandy the next year. And kind of the point I was trying to make is that, like, if you take that $60 million and hit – and it's the same thing like what happened this past year with, with Zeke, right? You know, you get exactly. stuck with $13 million on the book. That's $13 million you can't pay somewhere else. And so there's that. And so that would probably be the least likely one, I would assume. The second yeah. one is if, you, is if you trade, okay? And the reason with trading him on this last year of his contract is there's no way to go, but you have to, tra you have to trade and get extreme value for him 
and either hope to God they pick up some of his contract. So uh, best example was when the Astros traded for Justin Verlander this year. Okay, The biggest yeah. thing with there is that the Mets picked up like ha- like uh, a little over a third of his contract. And so you're only getting hit with uh, 22 million instead of 40 million or whatever. And so that's the biggest thing is you'd have to trade. And in the NFL, you can trade draft picks and whatnot, but you'd have to get extreme capital because he's coming yeah. off an MVP year. And so you'd have to, I mean, it would be, he's got more value than Russell Wilson right now. Don't care what you say. When, when Russell Wilson yeah. got traded, he got a haul uh, brought back for him. And so that you would have to get something plus more with that. And so that's Ideally. the thing is if, yeah, that's the thing is if you did that, you'd be basically saying, we're going to try to go the Brock Purdy route. And you'd have to basically suck for a year or you'd get so much in return. That's like, Hey, we just got to put our eggs in a basket with Cooper rush and Trey Lance. Don't think that's the best, best basket. Right. Um, especially with how our front office and stuff goes um, and whatnot like that. So I would assume they wouldn't do that. The most likely one to me and the one that makes sense to me is you'd, you, you got to extend him. And I'm going to say you'd have to extend him somewhere from three to five years. Okay. And right now it's going to look like a lot, but if you could get him to settle on a number somewhere between 50 and 56, that's going to be the best because the next deal that's about to hit with Josh Allen and her, uh, uh, all the other quarterbacks coming up, like you're going to like, that's going to look cheap. Yeah, Similar like right. when the Chiefs paid the Mahomes. Time. Yeah. And so that's going to look cheap and whatnot with doing that opens up some cap space. And what you would do there is then you'd have to go and extend your other players. And obviously the big three players we'd look at is Dak CD and Micah. Right. Yes. And yeah. so, because we've already got digs and whatnot. So extending him then allows you to then restructure, you know, put some money on the back end, put it into a signing bonus, and then make it to where you can actually, you know, pay for things. But at the same time, if, you know, you do for a three-year, a four-year extension, you get to that point and you're like, hey, this isn't working, like then, boom, you're out. Right. Um, and if you go through, you know, and, and like we talked about on the last pod, if you go through the other two, try to do the other two choices, which I think are highly unlikely, you got to be ready for a, 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 you know, for us to be sitting here at, at three and, you know, 14 or at best five yeah. and 12 sitting here talking about the Cowboys and what we do next and who we draft and whatnot. So those are kind of the three ways you can go with that. And like I said before, Dallas put themselves in this situation just yeah. like they did it in the first contract, just like they did it with Tony Romo. And that's what I've said for a while now is that history repeats itself. And, you know, the front office is not learning. They're not yeah. looking back and being like, well, maybe we need to get ahead of this and and whatnot. And so, you know, we had the chance to extend Dak at the beginning of the season and, you know, maybe get him at 50 million a year and then it's cheap. But instead, we're probably going to pay them, pay him somewhere between 55 and 60. And it's going to look like a lot. Right. However, in this day and age, that's where the majority of your cap hits going to go is the quarterback, because that's the one that really does anything unless you're the 49ers. Really. So I know there's yeah. a lot of information, but that was kind of yeah. paraphrased instead of a, you know, a 10 page, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whatever article. it was over the cap article and whatnot. Yeah. And I think it's ironic because, you know, yeah, like, like you said, like, they're not learning. 
And it's ironic because if you took the route of trading or cutting Dak Prescott and taking on that capital, that dead space money like we did with Zeke, but on a much larger scale, you're sitting there going, shit, we're wasting these great players' careers. We're wasting Lamb, Parsons, you know, uh, Tyler Smith, the rest of Zach Martin's, um, you know, professional life. Um, and then on the flip side of it, if you did extend Dak or if you extended Dak or, yeah, if you did extend Dak, you're still sitting there going, well, the years leading up to this, we're wasting careers because yeah. we didn't attack in the offseason. We didn't get, like learn from our lessons with, you know, Romo and Ezekiel Elliott. And, you know, and that's what I'm trying to get these, you know, Cowboys Twitter fans to understand as best I can with the 200 followers that I got is basically saying you want to go out and you want to get these Derrick Henry's and you want to sign these, you know, mega players, all those players that have been in the league. Guess what? When you sign them, they're not looking for some cash sale discount. They're, they're looking to get their no. money because they're especially for a running back. Their lives are short in the NFL these days. Derrick Henry is one of the lucky ones that has made it to 29, 30 years old. Another guy would be Aaron Jones. Um, yeah. But, you know, in just in these scenarios, you look at it. It's, and we talked about it with the coaching. We talked about it with Dak's contract. It all kind of leads back to the front office once again. And, and it's kind of like it's just never ending not learning your lessons. And so, yeah, and I agree. If you're going to be the Dallas Cowboys and you have these – you know, pivotal players like Diggs, like Parsons, like Lamb, like, you know, like Dak. Yes, there are some contracts that might be more valuable than Dak currently with his playoff record that if you want to pin all of those losses on him. Um, but you're as close as you can get to a championship if you re-sign Dak and extend him and develop a quarterback, whether it be Trey Lance, whether it be a guy in the first, second, or third round of the next two drafts, whatever that be, that's, in my opinion, is the best path to success now dallas cowboys fans all over the globe um will be split like a civil war defending dak prescott's neck <laughs> yeah. or absolutely bashing dak prescott which as you know with season two of the track podcast me and the kid are probably going to go after it about this yeah adamantly so and it's and that's very exciting because you get to see due to two different sides of the pie um so yeah all, great points there and yeah the, the over the cap uh, article, you know, fantastic job by that guy, you know, really explain because money's money's tough to figure out, you know, money moves. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a business at the end of the day, like we all say, and a business is ain't easy to run. And I'll give him, I'll cut him some credit for that. But yeah. And the biggest thing with, with me, and I'm sure a lot of Cowboys fans think this and where I, I guess I'm, I kind of agree with Hunter is like, you've got to choose a side. You've yeah. either got to go all in and and go with Dak, or you've got to go all in and say like, "Hey, we're we're getting rid of him and we're going a direction, and it may not work out, but we're going to go steamroll headfirst that way." There can't, and that's the problem with the front office is that they're going to try to go in the middle, and it's not going to work. Right, and so yeah. that's where I kind of agree with Hunter. Like, if you're gonna if you want to go that way, go that way, but go that way. Like, don't don't veer. Yeah. go that way and see what happens. And yeah. so that that's the, and honestly, that's the frustrating part is that they're not going to do that. They're, they're going to screw it up. So yes. uh, see how much confidence <laughs> I have in that. So <laughs> yes, we've seen it over and over and over again. 
Um, and, and it and it's infuriating <laughs> when you have something that you can you can commit to two things, and you're at a crossroads where it's like, I, but both roads could be great, and you would never know unless you fully committed to the either, to either road. And yeah. you sit there and you go, I think I'm going to go off the road. And yeah, we're going to go down the the slough right down the middle, like at Jaws Dearly's and yeah, and Die yeah. Ball. We're going to exactly. be like. Hey, we could go around and go this way or around and go that way and be all right. It'd be like, no, nah, we're going to go through the slough that might have a 12 foot drop off in there and die. Right. Like we're going to go that way. Yeah. There's a road to the right. That's been there for years, but there's some trees we got to trim, but we can't really yeah. see the full road, but there's a road. <laughs> and then on the left, there's the clear path where it's like, well, we know what we're getting when we go down this road. And yeah. if we take this road, we know what we can commit to and how to fix that problem. Or there's the slough where there's alligator guard, there's water moccasins, bow constrictors, there's pigs, and you never yeah. know what's going to jump up. Chupacabra, and you're just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cougars. I mean, you never even know. You know, local milfs in your area. You know, you, <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. Uh, but, okay, Jason Whitlock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Exactly. All right. Well, that wraps up, you know, Dallas Cowboys talk. That's your tracking with boys segment there. Yeah, you thank know, God. Yeah, good lord. Well, let's get into the exciting stuff. You know, the divisional round uh, the actual winners. Yeah, yeah, the actual winners of the NFL. Um, which we're gonna start on the NFC side here. The the number three seeded Lions defeat the number four seeded Bucks 31 to 23. Now, on this game, you know, honestly, I I was sitting at home, you know, with the full family crew, and I I, I said in the previous podcast that, you know, and we all did that this game is going to be a lot closer than people anticipated. And it was for the majority of the game and to the end, honestly. Um, and Baker had an opportunity to go win this game and uh, multiple times. And he started, started the game off with that tip pick interception that was handed back to Baker by CJ Gardner Johnson. He was doing some trash talking before the game. <laughs> um, but you know, Baker played great. Uh, I really yeah. did think that the way that he went out there, he had this mojo about him. He didn't play to lose. He didn't. He he was playing the game as if he was a. It was on a prove it year, like we mentioned before. But I said last week that I think the Lions were going to win because if the Buccaneers did not get that early lead and contain it. That's where Baker plays his best ball. And it, it, it's not a, uh, a bad thing to say that he Baker is the game manager. Um, that game management system is what broke the curse for the Browns and what makes them, you know, relevant these days. Um, and so it, what happened was the Lions got ahead of score and then it became two scores. And it was just at that point, it's it's just too much on Baker's shoulders to handle um, despite his two interceptions. But boy, it was, you know, Baker was electric. All game, you know, Mike and uh, Mike uh, Evans was an animal all postseason, all regular season long. Once again, yeah. um, he's going to earn himself a contract somewhere else. I I don't think he would return to the Bucks, which could hurt Baker and you know that decision to re-sign Baker. But I think Baker has found a home in Tampa Bay, um, and you know the pieces you need to get around him to have a recipe for success. So I, I don't want to take anything away from Baker. I thought he played up to standards. In this game. Um, and so I'll kind of let you touch a little bit on, you know, a little bit of the Bucks side and, and the Lions side as well. And I'll, and I'll finish it off with some more analysis. Yeah. Sorry, I'm over here working my other monitor. And like, this is a game changer right now. Cause I have like, I'm not having a, <laughs> oh, here split screen. Like, oh, yeah. So I like got it all. I got all the stats <laughs> and whatnot. But what I had written down is like, uh, the Lions offense was just on full display. I thought they did a really good job of, uh, you know, really getting everybody involved. I mean, nobody had just like an absolute 
like there wasn't like a Mike Evans where he went eight for 147. I mean, Amante Brown had eight for 77, Laporte nine for 65. Like everybody contributed. You know, Jameer Gibbs had nine for 74. And I mean, like that's a really good game and yeah. whatnot. But like, um, you know, they really spread the ball around and never let you know, like it seemed like they never let you know, like who was getting the ball or who was going to dominate this game. And I thought that's yeah. that's the Lions offense at its best is when everybody is turning up, basically. And so I thought yeah. they did a really good job. I thought um, and I think that that works well with that coaching style with Dan Quinn. It's very aggressive, uh, very risk taking, stuff like that. And I think that places their hand with all the good playmakers they have and whatnot. Um, but I thought that offense did really well. Uh, you know, Jared Goff had a pretty good game and whatnot. Um, I thought how you talk about Baker plays was kind of that chip on his shoulder, yeah. playing to win, playing not playing to not lose. Uh, on the contrary, I think his coach gets way too conservative at the worst times. And that's yeah. been kind of Todd Bowles's like MO is that like he can get very conservative. And I thought he kind of did that towards the end of the game. Um, especially when they were down a little bit, uh, you know, just some of the plays they called were like, and eh, not going for it on some of those fourth downs. I thought with the, with the lions offense, how they got rolling in that second half, I was like, man, you got to start at some point you got to start like, Hey, every, unless you're, you know, within year 30, like on your side, like you got to start going for it on fourth down. It's got to be fourth down yeah. play calls ready, ready to go and stuff like that. And I thought that kind of, I thought that kind of, you know, took them out of the game a little bit, kind of got them off rhythm and, you know, you know, making those fourth downs are really a momentum changer and stuff like that. Um, I have on here, Mike Evans is a dog. Like you said, he's got to get a contract somewhere. I know, uh, I can't remember if it was Baker Mayfield says he wants to come back to the Bucks as long as Mike Evans is there or, or vice versa. But I thought that was cool to hear. And I think they could still be really good. Obviously, obviously Evans is just, I mean, just dog. some of those, like some of those passes were just like, yeah, F it. Evans is down there somewhere. And like, I mean, he made every play. I know he had a couple of drops, but like, it was still like, he was, it, it just seems like he hasn't dropped off at all. And yeah, like after 10 long. years, you start to see, you start to see something, but like no drop off. Um, and then I thought the injuries to the Bucks defense kind of got at him. They had a couple of injuries. I know Ryan mentioned it with that one uh, cornerback. Was it that, was that, was that that game where he was at Sam Houston with Ryan? Um, I know Zion McCollum had to fill in um, that he, and he's from Sam Houston, but I can't yeah. remember. I can't recall the name of the, of the, the starting quarterback cornerback. I think that the part of the game. Yeah. But I was just saying like, he got in the game and, and, you know, as one of their starting guys that got dinged up. And then there was another guy that got dinged up. That was, that's one of their dudes. And he got dinged up and, uh, it really took a toll on them and whatnot. And so I think I kind of got the best of them there in the second half. But it was a great game to watch, fun game to watch and whatnot. So, um, you know, just props to both teams. I mean, they played – both yeah. played really well. Both honestly deserved the win. But, you know, the Lions were the better team. They had more weapons in their defense. You know, uh, with how bad they've been, they were good when they needed to be good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the last thing I'll say on the, on the Lions and um, was, you know, yeah, you said like, you know, we're going to get all these players the ball. You never knew, you never knew who was going to get the ball in these uh, scenarios. It was evenly split. That's a good credit to Ben Johnson. Um, and then at the towards the end of the game, when they went for it on fourth down to get uh, Craig Reynolds into the end zone, I was sitting there saying, Dan Quinn, or sorry, Dan Campbell, uh, don't 
don't change now. Don't you you got here by going for it and being aggressive on fourth yeah. down all year long, and that you had a pair of nuts on you. Don't yeah. change now. This is what got you to where you're at. And so they exactly. went for it on fourth down. So credit to Dan Campbell for not changing, no matter the the I guess the the longevity. I guess the what's it, what's the name the the moment the the yeah. big moment that you're in. You didn't change one bit. You, you yeah, you didn't change your philosophy your at all. You just yeah. you went for it. I thought it was crazy. He went with Craig Reynolds. Like I was like, dude, that's because yeah. that yeah. doesn't work. And everybody is like, where's Gibbs? Where's Montgomery? Like, and like, so for him to do that, like, you know, one of those, one of those times where it's like, oh, let's see if we can be like outsmart, like reverse psychology right. thing. And it worked. And so, I mean, I, like you said, you know, his philosophy is to be the aggressor and it worked out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so congrats to the, to the lions for breaking get another curse. Um, <laughs> Okay, um, the number one seed 49ers take on the Packers and defeat them 24 to 21. Um, now, I have in this game that, you know, I think the weather had a pretty big effect on, on certain players and the game itself, especially late. Um, Brock Purdy was missing some pretty – some gimme throws, um, and that could have been yeah. due to the weather or that could have been the yips, um, uh, either one. But, you know, I think in pivotal moments of this game – whether it be the 49ers driving to gain some momentum or at the end on Jordan Love's final drive, you know, the monsoon just happened to just show up, uh, mm, which was yeah. just horrible timing um, right on their final drive. And, NFL scripted. Yeah, NFL scripted. It, the movie Geostorm is real. Uh, <laughs> and so Purdy didn't look great, um, but he did enough to advance, you know, obviously past the Packers and who are a scrappy team who – the 49ers and Packers have playoff history against one another um, in the past. And so, I, again, you know, Carlson's field goal for the Green Bay Packers was extremely costly. They would have gone into mm -hmm. probably overtime tied or at least the Packers would have um, approached their final drive differently um, because they were moving the ball and not in a way that would win you the game, but in a way that, you know, there was some hope there. Until yeah. you know Jordan Love scroll, rolls out and on first and ten or second and ten, whatever it was, just chunks it like Brett Favre into triple coverage over the middle, which was completely unnecessary. And <laughs> that was so bad. And it just yeah, it was terrible. It just you ruined the great game and great story that you were having, and you made the Cowboys look a little bit worse. Um, yes, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Packers had control of this game for the majority, um, and it was looking like. If Daniel Carlson or Carlson made that field goal, um, or that the Packers even touched made that touchdown um, on that that same drive, that the Packers were going to run away from this thing. And we had 49ers fans saying that it was over and yeah. that it was it was done, it was toast, and that we God we're like we're going to laugh at ourselves at this one. And I can't believe we're going to let this young youngest roster in the NFL advance, um, but. At the end of the day, the 49ers were the better team and they entered the championship as the better team. Um, so you know, just props to the to the 49ers for for sticking at it. And one thing I noticed in this game um was that they never broke their script. They they stuck to their guns and they said, We know McCaffrey works. We know that, yeah. you know, even with the loss of Debo, that Kittle is our is our force to be reckoned with, along with Ayuk and that our defense, we can lean on them to make a stop. Wouldn't you believe it? But uh, yeah, so the the 49ers end up um, cutting by this game. 
Yeah, and so I, I kind of have uh, a lot of the same talking talking points as you. Um, you know, I, kind of a funny point, but I have like Sam Darnold time is inevitable. I think every time like Brock Purdy like does bad, I feel like Shanahan's probably like, "Hey, uh, Sam, go get up, start yeah. rolling up, man. Yo, go get done." But um, but I do think his time is in it's inevitable, and in that when it comes to contract time. If they still got Darnold on like a cheap ass deal, like it's gonna be like, yeah, we'll let Purdy walk and then get <laughs> get Darnold in here. Um, but not to take away from Brock Purdy, he's been very good this year, and like you said, he did enough to win in this game. And I mean, he was off. Obviously, it could have been because of rest, it could have been because of weather, whatever it was. But he was definitely off. Um, third point I have, or second point I have, is like, what the hell was Love doing on that last drive? Um, I've tried to look at every different like angle and be like, oh, well, there was some like there was there was no reason to throw that ball. Like there, no. there was not a receiver very close. There was three to five defenders that could have made a play on the ball. And like you said, second and 10, first and 10, whatever it was, two timeouts left, almost a minute left in the game. And like all that, like, I mean, and there was room to run or, or dump it off to, to uh, Aaron Jones or something right there besides do that throw. Like literally just don't do that and you were fine. Um, or at least give yourself a chance. Um, and so that was just – that was very weird and seemed very uncharacteristic because the last seven weeks, like, he hadn't done that. Um, and then third point is maybe Debo is the key to that offense because it seems like whenever he goes down, the offense really struggles. Yeah. And so it's just funny that, like, he's a very good gadget player. He can be a good receiver. He can be a very good running back. He can be a good athlete on the field and whatnot. And I know Ryan kind of dogs him about being a receiver, but it's like when he goes down, that offense struggles a lot. And yeah. so it's just funny seeing that and, and seeing how that always works out. Then my last point is, like you said, Chris McCaffrey is a dog. And, you know, like you said, not breaking the script and whatnot. I mean, dude, is just super good. And like when they got in – and that's that's kind of my point to the Sam Darnold thing is like when they got in trouble, like that's who they fell back on. And yeah. that's who they trusted to like, hey, let's make a play here. Um, and so, you know, he could probably get more recognition in the MVP just of how good he is and whatnot. But like he like that one run was just like, man, he's good. Like he's yeah. just good. Um, and I mean, in the game, he had seven catches, 12 targets plus 17 carries. So in total, he could have got the ball 29 times. And like that's more than even close to anybody else. Kittle. IU, anybody right. even came yeah. close to getting the ball. And so it just shows that, like, him and Debo seem to be that motor that gets that going. And, yeah. and so it's just kind of funny to see. But props to them. They got a lot of good weapons, um, you know, and they did enough to win that game. And, you know, props to the Packers because they weren't expected to do any of that. And, you know, like you said, they, they had every chance to, you know, knock that game out of reach and then win that game. And they just, you know, the Packers got Packered. And, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, lost on a, just a heartbreaking last drive or last couple of drives. Yeah. As Kittle said on the uh, Pat McAfee show, uh, go pack, go the hell home, um, which is pretty tragic. But I thought it was pretty funny about a report came out shortly after the game. This is from JPA football saying that the 49ers tried getting Tom Brady out of retirement to be their starter this season and even told Brock Purdy, that he would be the backup for the year if they got to if they got Brady. This is per ESPN on JPA's account. So early in the offseason, quote, 
Early in the offseason, Niners coach Kyle Shanahan sat down with Purdy and assured him that he was if that if he was healthy, he would be the starter unless Brady wanted to play one more season for his hometown <laughs> Niners, which is that's <laughs> nuts. I mean, that I mean that kind of goes hand in hand with what, what you said about Purdy too. And I don't want to um dog on him too much because he's had a good year, but I mean I've said it all year as well, is that the, the catalyst of the offense, like you mentioned, is is, is McCaffrey. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, Debo's gone. You might have a point. Um, <laughs> but, okay, AFC matchups. I want to start – let's start with the Ravens and Texas first, and then I want to finish with the Bills and Chiefs because I think that was a much more exciting game. You know, there's not uh, – the Ravens, number one seeded, defeating the Texans, the number four seed, 34-10. to 10. Um, you know, they went into this game tied at 10, um, and momentum was kind of swinging towards Houston's side. Um, but I, you know, ironically, the Texans never scored an offensive touchdown. Uh, Slovic yeah. and Stroud and their offense was struggling against, in, in my opinion, the number one defense in the league. Oh, yeah, kind of by a landslide because if you look at what they did to playoff teams and good teams, I mean, they destroyed them and they blew out the Lions. They blew out the 49ers. Um, I'm pretty sure they, they – there's a couple more teams in there that I need to list as well. But um, you go down the list, you're like, damn, like this defense is holding them under 20 points per game against some of these teams. So, yeah. you know, absolute credit to the Baltimore uh, Baltimore defense. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we thought this high-flying Texans offense, I thought it was going to be a lot more close um, in the second half, especially leading up into it. But, you know, that offense just couldn't get shit going. And, um, and I know Slovic was a, a head coaching candidate, but, you know, I think he he might need another one or two years, especially with the system that seemed to have, you know, absolutely exploded expectations this year um, or overachieved expectations this year with Stroud on the Texans. You're going to get rookie of the year probably with C.J. Stroud. Um, you won a playoff game. You won your division. Um, that's a recipe for success that I think you keep um, um, closely. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean – uh, what what do you have on this game? I was gonna I'll, I'll pitch in on the on the Baltimore Ravens as well. Yeah, um, you know for the for the game, I mean the Raven, the Ravens just seemed like the better team. Um, it did seem like you said that defense is very good and, and did a very good job of you know basically keeping them in the game until Lamar and all the offense could get going. Um, and then, uh, like I mentioned on on the last pod, I think the biggest thing. Uh, for the Texans' success was that their their supplemental weapons show up and not just Nico. And in this game, they shut down Nico. And their next leading receiver outside of Nico Collins was the running back, Devin Singletary. Yeah. Um, and there were a couple drops from Dalton Schultz. You know, Robert Woods wasn't very involved in the game. Revan Jordan was eh. I know he had a big touchdown, not this past week, but the week before and whatnot. And so – I mean, kind of like I said, I think I think if 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 uh, Tank Dell is in this game, I think it's a much a much different game. Yeah. Um, but they just ran an offense options, and you know, yeah, you can knock Slovic and whatnot. But I just think like man for man defense against that offense, you know, the the Ravens just had more dudes on that on that defense and whatnot. Uh, and they took they took Nico basically out of the game, and that was kind of it. Um, and and whatnot. But I have you know. That, de- that defense is just really good. And, yeah. you know, to touch on, you know, defense, obviously, but the offense and props to Lamar Jackson. And what I've had for a few weeks now talking about Lamar Jackson is that right now he's doing whatever it takes to win, whether it be sling it around the yard, if that's there, 
he's doing that. Whether if it be like this game where it was a lot of mix and match, you know, he ran it 11 times for 100 yards. We kind of saw like old school Lamar Jackson, who is just like, he was just like, how do you stop this dude? Right. And then, you know, when that run wasn't there, he was able to throw it. Now he only threw for 152 yards, but like I said, you know, he took what, you know, was there to win the game and keep them ahead and, and keep the offense going rather than forcing something. And so he was taking whatever positive play he could get. And so I think that's that's props to Lamar on that because that's shown where he's grown throughout his career is yeah. that he's kind of just doing whatever he can. It doesn't have to be a light up the scoreboard. It doesn't have to be this or that. It's just like, hey, win the game, score touchdowns. And, you know, their best player made made the most plays. And that that, you know, props that team. They're a really good team, both sides. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes to the um something about stats that we like to that we like to say that they, the stats don't tell the whole story and uh the average joe your joe schmo will look at that box score and go yeah, well lamar only had 152 yards passing whereas your your analysts would say yeah but he had no turnovers and he found yeah. a way to win the game and like you said mix and matched throughout this the entirety of the game and and the season he did whatever whatever he had to do to win the game um so yeah props to the mvp to be uh lamar jackson um, yeah. Okay. Uh, your last game in the AFC, the Bills hosting the Chiefs um, in another smackdown of Josh Allen and uh, Patrick Mahomes. But the Bills fall short 27 to 24 to the Chiefs. And I will say I saw this great post on, on Twitter and it said the Bills had zero turnovers. They dominated oh, time of possession uh, by it had over 35 plus minutes of possession time. Uh, less than 30 penalty yards, and they rushed and passed for 150-plus yards um, each, and they still lost this game. And it's just brutal. Everything kind of about this game has been brutal. You, you're hosting your, your arch nemesis who you haven't been able to beat the playoffs yet at home um, in your weather, in your home state, uh, where you feel most comfortable, and it just it didn't work out. And not to say that Josh Allen didn't do his job. And yeah, we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, you know, taking that home run shot instead of maybe that underneath drag route to Stefan Diggs on second and nine late in the game. Um, but that that is not the only play that that showed the effort and the ability of Josh Allen in this game because he had three or four throws that could have changed the game completely. And one of them we talked about and said, damn, we really wish we could just see Josh Allen throw this, throw this ball about <laughs> yeah. 70 yards and just see what happens. And I think it was five to 10 minutes after we said that this dude uh, took a hitch step and chunked it 65 air yards to Stefan Diggs, perfect ball right in the bread basket dropped. And yeah. you're sitting there going, you, you just can't do that. Like yeah. in, in that moment, you can't because then at the end, what are we doing now? We're pinning it back on the quarterback. And that is just yeah. that's not at all how it needs to be. Um, yeah, I get this. There's an overall consensus that we could pin it on the quarterback to beat the best. Like we, we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Sure. But Josh Allen did everything he, he could in his power, um, you know, to win this game and he put him in a situation in a, in a scenario to tie the game late and bass missed the field goal by about 20 yards to the right <laughs> and it, it just and credit to josh allen after the game for going up to tyler bass entering the locker room and you know kind of embracing him um making out with him a little bit uh just kidding <laughs> but you know 
<laughs> that they that they they shared a moment, and even in you know Josh Allen's toughest loss, um, you know as as you know, the later you get as a quarterback into your into your years, the more crucial playoffs become. And yeah. so this is just it was a brutal loss, man. I, I I've, I've been seeing a lot of edits of uh, Josh Allen, just you know, just brutal moments from that game. And um, but yeah, I mean. There's a lot to talk about here with, you know, the Patrick Mahomes side too. And, and as well, what, what else you got on uh, Josh Allen? Yeah. First point is poor bills, poor yeah. bills. Um, yeah. They played really well. Um, and like you said, a lot of stuff will get dinged on the quarterback. Now I will say Josh Allen did have a couple throws where you're like, it's almost like he can't help himself. Like he's just got to He's got to do it. He's got to right. just, just let it eat and just make some wild or try to make some wild play and whatnot. And, you know, kind of what I said at the beginning of the podcast, I think, you know, that new offensive coordinator over there is, as I mean, it's probably just like, you know, making keeping him awake at night, just trying to get Josh Allen to be like, hey, can we just rein it in just a tad? Like, I don't want you to, like, not do that because that's what you're good at. But, like, just a tad. Like, there's just a couple of them that, like, you know, you you do this instead of try to make this Superman play and like, hey, we're moving right. and and whatnot. But, you know, like you said, just great game by him. Great, great game by that by the Buffalo Bills. I didn't think they played very bad at all. I did call it whoever had the best kicker was going to win. Um, but, uh, you know, I, you I, right. predict, yeah, I predicted it being a much lower scoring game. But on the on the on, on the Chiefs side. Uh, what I have written down is uh, kind of like I talked about last week with, uh, you know, the wide receiver or receiving options is Rice has got to be your number one going forward. And yeah. then that's going to help supplement with or Kelsey's going to supplement that as the number two. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, if you would, if if Kelsey's being considered your number two, you're like, oh, my God, well, this offense is something to mess with that. But that's how I think they're going to win is. Rice being established as a number one, and then that opens Kelsey up for what we saw in the game. More of those after the after the catch type plays. He's running down the field, you know, wide open because they bid on something underneath, and you know that places their strength, and and especially you know Patrick Mahomes' escapability where he can get around and dance around, and then all of a sudden you're like, how the hell is Kelsey? You know, doesn't have anybody around him. Well, because they have an actual wide receiver out there playing wide receiver. And and whatnot. So I think going forward, if they continue to do that, they're, they're going to be a really good offense. And it's that to me is what really is going to spark them is them continuing with that with that uh that play call and and that philosophy. And then my last point is just Mahomes seems to be inevitable. Um, yeah, it just enough. seems like yeah, all year like the offense has been eh. Mahomes' play has been okay. Receivers have been bad. Whatever. And in this game, it seems like he was like, "All right, guys, playoffs. Let's turn it up." And it's just like, I mean, he didn't make he, he didn't make any mistakes. And like, you know, like we talked about, you know, I mean, his stat line's not going to read anything crazy, but like, two hundred fifteen yards, two TDs. I mean, that wins a ball game. Yeah. You know, taking zero sacks. I mean, yeah. if you're watching that game, like there were there were plenty of chances like it could have happened, and him being able to elude all that, it was just like. It's like, dude, like, what else can you do? Because the Bills going in were super hot, been playing really well down the stretch, won seven in a row, won six to get into the playoffs, take their their top seed and play at home. And then it was just like Mahomes comes in and, like, little brothers and, like, pats him on the head, like, sits up in his uh, 
sits up in his gaming chair like, all right, yeah, time to play. Time to and it's like, yeah. and it's just like it just seemed like Mahomes is is always inevitable. Yep, yep. Same kind of the same story last year, you know, with a, a lesser roster, and they got even lesser this year, and we're still going to see him in the in the AFC Championship game. Um, and then I have one final comment on this game, and it's outside of the game of football and pertains to Tony Romo. Um, the dude just gets too much hate for for you know advocating for these two great quarterbacks. I mean, I, yeah. I've seen so many, so much content. I get it; it's probably for clicks and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not defending him as a Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm defending him as a, a lover of the game and as a guy that could literally be a wizard and predict plays. Tony Romo is a very exciting commentator. I think most of the population would agree on that. Um, and you know that when Allen and Mahomes are playing in a pivotal game, that you got Tony Romo commentating that game, and he's going to marvel at the fact that a great quarterback is in the game. And you're going to miss them when they're gone and when they're not playing in the NFL anymore. And when you don't get Mahomes in primetime and having somebody go, oh, my God, like – Mahomes and Allen are just freaks. And so, yeah, just props to Tony Romo being up there in the booth. I think he's done a great job. I, I'm I'm a fan of him and what he does work, um, despite whether the fact he actually said the word that one time. Yes. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, okay. What word? Oh. Yeah, uh, canceled. Uh, okay. Track ranking. Top three NFL playoff games in our lifetime. Um, obviously, start with gold, move on to platinum and some diamond. Um, of course, if you have an honorable mention, that's allowed. But uh, all right, I'll give you first props. Your gold top three NFL playoff game. Okay, obviously, we're doing an honorable mention. Uh, yeah. That seems to be how it goes. So my honorable mention was 2017 Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings versus New Orleans Saints. Um, Minnesota wins 29-24. It was a game where Case Keenum threw Dig Stefan Diggs yes. that out route, and uh, the DB, the defensive back for the Saints, missed a tackle. And then was it the miracle in Minnesota or whatever? And it was like he's sprinting down the field, scores a touchdown, throws his helmet at the at the fans, like oh, let's go. And like yeah. watching that on TV, you're like, bro, Case Keenum out here doing this, and then like does that. And it was <laughs> like oh, that's nuts. And I think that was, I think it was last year. Uh, I think Diggs got traded after that year or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah it, was, it was that because then they traded Diggs and Minnesota drafted Justin Jefferson. So it was like you have a pivotal moment like that, and then it's like, wow. All right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Prime example of them fully committing to a different route. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and damn, if that's your honorable mention, then I might have to step up my game a little bit. Um, yeah, but my honorable mention was the, the Saints – versus the the Rams when the, mm. the Rams went to the Super Bowl and they had the infamous pass interference that never was yeah. um, <laughs> at late in the game and the, the Rams go up to win 26 to 23, basically just blowing up all hope for Drew Brees getting another Super Bowl. Um, and it was very tragic. I mean, if you think a hurricane wasn't enough in New Orleans, I mean, this one was just – it might have taken the cake. But, um, yeah, it's just it's so bla- – I remember watching it going, what are we looking at? And, yeah. but it was an exciting game. And at least it was back and forth. It was golf versus breeze. And it was a uh, Todd Gurley in his prime, Sean McVay when in his upbringing um, after they, you know, routed Dallas for CJ Anderson, you know, it's just, it was just brutal. Um, but yeah, uh, that's my honorable mention. What's your gold? 
Uh, gold is the infamous Seahawks versus the Patriots, uh, where they didn't hand uh, Marshawn Lynch the ball at the one yard line. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, Legion of Boom versus Tom Brady and all that. And, you know, just getting all the way down the field and you're like, we know where this is going. Marshawn, one yard, doom. And they run whatever that is. And Malcolm Butler steps in front and picks that off. And it's just like, you, like I mean, that's one where I where if you just say Patriots Seahawks in the same sentence, you you automatically go to that. You yeah. go to that moment right there. Like they could have anything happen the fifty years prior or fifty years after that, and you're always going to be like, oh god, you remember that Marshawn Lynch game or that game where they didn't hand Marshawn? Like that's that's to me is one of the gold ones because that was obviously nail biter, and then ended like what the hell? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's a ring for Brady. Um, yeah. which is what's crazy um, is that the Seahawks were going to win that game. Um, all right, yeah, my gold was the 2016 NFC Divisional Round. This is from the 2015 season leading into 2016, uh, where Aaron Rodgers had the Hail Mary versus Arizona, mm. um, you know, down 13 to 20. And, you know, the infamous he's spinning out, you know, he's already done it before that year one or two times already and just – chunks up a prayer to of all people who a lot of people will probably forget about this guy's name already i think his name was jeff janice i know his last name was janice, oh yeah who goes up in mosses i believe it was patrick peterson for the touchdown and then just to go into overtime and have larry fitzgerald on a crossback throw from carson palmer of all people to go like 60 plus yards inside the five and then a shovel pass to Fitzgerald to finish off the drive and finish off the Packers, sending them home. And I, that one, I just remember that year being like, good Lord, like Aaron Rodgers, all these Hail Marys, and just that awesome effort only to only to lose the game that was just tragic for the Packers um, and and good for, you know, the, the Cardinals. Entertaining. Yeah. So my platinum is, uh, and this one's a little older, it's 2009. Um, Arizona Cardinals versus Green Bay Packers. Uh, reason being is because this seemed like a Big 12 Baylor versus TCU game or, or Texas Tech game. Uh, the score is 51 Arizona, 45 Green Bay. And it was, you could think about this, it was Kurt Warner versus Aaron Rodgers, a young Aaron Rodgers. And, uh, you know, this actually, I think, broke the record for most points scored in a, uh, yeah, most most points scored in a playoff game like ever. Uh, I mean, obviously you're not gonna have too many 51, 45 games. But Kurt Warner actually threw for five TDs and had a 154 passing rating. Oh, and just yeah. watching that as a kid, you're just like, oh my god, offense! Like that's where your love for like offense come from. You're like, who cares about defense? Score points! Like, yeah, more <laughs> points. Yeah. <laughs> Make a movie about Kurt Warner. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. My platinum is the 2012 AFC Wild Card Round game, the Broncos versus the Steelers. Tim Tebow launches the worst mechanical throw of all time to Demarius Thomas for the win. And I think everyone looking back at this game goes, "How in the world did Tim Tebow win a playoff game?" And I can tell you exactly how he won the playoff game through the, through the works of Jesus Christ, our Lord and savior. That's how <laughs> winning the game 29 to 23, you go back and watch that throw. And I bet even Tim Tebow would tell you, Holy shit. That's atrocious. 
there are junior high quarterbacks have a faster <laughs> release than that throw. And yeah. somehow that one just goes to that. It was just a miracle. It was like, oh, my God, you know, Jesus is dwelling in this stadium right now. And, you know, him going to knee afterwards and everything, which, you know, also, by the way, RIP to the late passing Dem- Demarius no, yeah. Thomas. You know, that was that was heartbreaking. He was an outstanding receiver. Dallas uh, was in line to possibly take him. And, um, and Des Bryant talked about it on the podcast, you know, that they uh, he was going to go originally to the Broncos and that they took Demarius instead. And neither one turned out to be a bad decision. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was I mean, hell. I mean. You would never see a quarterback like Tim Tebow winning a playoff game. Um, so no, 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 incredible. It was like miracle on on turf. Yeah. So since you stole mine uh, just now, no uh, shit. Yeah, I had I had Broncos versus uh, Pittsburgh. Tim Tebow that throw. I'll pick another one, and it's a little more recent, but it's uh, the Patriots versus the Falcons, the twenty-eight to three. Yeah, yeah. I'm back with Tom Brady and just sitting there, and we talk about like. Patrick Mahomes being inevitable where, well, Tom Brady was the inevitable one yes. before him. And just watching that game. And unfortunately, like we have that defensive coordinator now, but, uh, <laughs> but like, and it, it's unfortunate because he's a great coach and whatnot, but like him being associated with some of like the worst comebacks uh, of like all time are associated with Dan Quinn. And, you know, just watching that and being like, you know, Matt Ryan's finally going to do it. MVP season. You know, he's gone through his struggles and bad teams in Atlanta. They finally got a decent defense. Their offense was insane that year. And, you know, he was very good. I think that year he threw like 40-something touchdowns and like 5,000 yards. Like, just incredible, incredible year. And you were like, they come out and they just shit-pumped the the Patriots in the first half. Yeah. And then it's just like, you know, same thing, you know, it's like, when, when Tom Brady gives you that look, like it's it's about to go down, like kind of thing. And then yes. just to come back and win that was just like, you know, everybody's watching the Super Bowl and you're just like, yeah, no way they're coming back. And then they score. And it's like, yeah, this ain't going to happen. And then they score and you're like, well. Yeah, and then they score and then you're like, holy shit, this is about to happen. And yeah. so that, that Super Bowl, that Super Bowl game was just nuts. And regardless of what you want to say about some of Tom Brady's rings, like, to come back from that is just—I mean, it's—it's yeah. it's not even like video game like. Like you're not doing that in a video game. Virtually impossible. That, yeah, that's one of those where like, yeah, you let your you know four year old cousin like score twenty eight, and then maybe you come back from that. But to do right. that was just absurd. Yeah, exactly. And that catch from Edelman in that game was insane. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah, that was the same. Yeah, that was the same one. Okay. Yeah, my diamond was the 2022 AFC divisional round, the Chiefs versus the Bills. Um, You know, Mahomes uh, or Josh Allen goes up late with that absolute piss missile to Gabe Davis um, to basically get out in front. um, Sorry, to send the game into OT, tying it up. Or Sorry, gosh, I'm fumbling. Josh Allen with the late score to Gabe Davis with a piss missile. to send the, to get them ahead three with 13 seconds left. And then Mahomes comes out there with two timeouts, 13 seconds, marches down the field, impossibly gets a field goal with none other than Tony Romo commentating this game. And the rest of that game, Josh Allen has to sit on the sideline with his helmet unstrapped and just 
watch all this unfold. Yeah. To get into OT and the Chiefs to go marching right down the field and score. And that's when all the uproar started about that a team should get the chance to have the ball as well in in OT and all this kind of stuff because they felt horrible for Josh Allen, which goes back to what you said earlier, poor Bills. Um, and the Chiefs win that game 42-36, to 36, a very high-scoring, um, just greatness versus greatness game. Yeah. And, I mean, it was it was pivotal enough that, like, a rule change was made after that game. Yes. Like, they changed uh, overtime rules specifically for that game. Exactly. Or after that game. Yeah, like, when Dez caught it, they changed it to you had to make a football move. And you had to bring that up two, two weeks in a row, brother, man. <laughs> you had to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. In the podcast. Okay. Yeah. All right. Your champ. Right, let's go through our NFC and AFC championship round predictions. Um, we're going to start on the NFC side. We got the number one seed 49ers taking on the number three seed Lions. So I got the 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 betting stats here. Um, the money line is Lions plus 230, 49ers minus 285. <laughs> Um, that's that, yeah, that is the money line. And the spread, he's, got the, he's got the lines now. Yes, Let's sir. go, yes, sir. degenerate. Let's go. Yeah. The spread is the Lions, uh, plus six and a half. Um, you know, if you wanted to bet and make profit, you have to at least bet 105 bucks, um, minus 105 for the Lions, and then the 49ers, minus six and a half with minus 115 odds. Um, and then your total over and under is 51, with um, which is a pretty Pretty good score for this game, I think. I think that's pretty average. Um, so, with all that being said, I'm gonna let you start with your prediction, and I will follow. Yeah, um, I, my numbers are just so they're like half a point off each way. I don't know what site you use. I use, you know, shoutoutcovers.com um, for that's all cool. mine and whatnot because they. The reason I like them is because they take like every every like sport book, everything like that. And they average it out. So it's all about the same. So I have San Francisco minus seven over under 50 and a half. So it's generally yeah. the same. Yeah. Um, same but shit. you know, my biggest takeaways from this is going to be like, Hey, can, can Purdy elevate this offense? Like right. is the offense, like, is he going to make the offense better? Or is it going to be like last week where, you know, he, he kind of struggled a little bit and, and, you know, it, it took him a little time. Um, second, I have, you know, 49ers obviously being a pretty good defense and whatnot. How is Detroit going to utilize their running backs? Are they going to do it like they did last game, last game where kind of everybody kind of got the ball. We got them out in motion. We got them out in space and did stuff like that. Uh, are they going to stick with that? Or are they going to, you know, throw it, throw it away and then just deviate from the plan? Um, next is will Debo play? Like I said, it yeah. seems like, he, when he doesn't play, it seems like their offense is a little iffy. Um, if he plays, it could be a different thing. Um, and then I think Detroit, you've got to sell out on stopping Christian McCaffrey. However, it may be, you know, how some defenses put a spy on a quarterback. I feel like you've got to have like your best athlete out there. And he has got to be with and on Christian McCaffrey everywhere he goes. Like, obviously you've got to stack the box, but like, if it's, you know, seems like passing down situations or something like that, like you've got a guy, you have to have a guy on hat on him at all times. And it can't yeah. just be like, you know, a linebacker. I think you've got to drop a safety and like really have one of your most athletic dudes out there. Um, Cause like we said, I, he seems to be the key to win. 
and what they fall back on when they need to make a big play. Um, yeah. And all that being said, I have San Francisco 27, Detroit 21. I'm going to veer from my options or my, my takes last week where I just, you know, blew the top off and was in, you know, my mental capacity was decimated due to that week. And so I made a bunch of egregious takes and they were all wrong. I'm going to go a little more calmer, safer takes this week. Uh, I mean, at least you, you at least you went for the risk there in the in the in the divisional round. Um, yeah, all great points. I mean, it worked when um, you know Parsons shadowed uh, Christian McCaffrey in the twenty twenty two divisional round, um, and really really shut down the offense. So that's a that's a great defensive analysis. Um, I, the Lions defense, I don't think they're going to be able to hold this this Forty uh, ers offensive scheme. Uh, I think their destiny is probably going to end. Um, you know, I think golf is going to struggle against, you know, in all, in all honesty, their first real tough opponent um, in the playoffs where like a juggernaut, a one that's like, oh, they were favored to win the world or to win the, the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> the World so, Cup. <laughs> yeah, it's the World Series. And uh, I, I do think Purdy will perform up to standards, which is, you know, just keeping the ball protected. Um, the weather's going to be probably more favorable in this game. Um, but I think you'll see a CMC masterclass. I think regardless of who you kind of put on him to watch him, I think you're going to see a, a, a great production from him to get them into the Super Bowl, which uh, hilariously, listening to the score prediction you had, mine is identical. Uh, the 49ers nice. 27, Lions 21. That way, we, I, I guess now we know that if we're wrong, then we're both completely wrong. Yeah, we don't know ball. Then we don't know ball <laughs> together. Another um, point. Another point. Exactly. They're playing. They're playing. San Francisco's outside, right? Yeah. They're playing outdoors. Just, just take that in consideration with yes. the Lions. Yes. Indoor not, team. The indoor ball club, baby. Yeah. So. Yeah. Dan Dan Campbell's uh, nutsack's gonna be a little shorter. It's gonna a be a little. Yeah. It's gonna be a little chillier. Maybe a slight breeze. You know what happens. And so yeah. you know it might just. Uh, you know, he might fourth and two. He's like, ah, oh, let's punt it. It's like, ah, yeah, it's a little cool out here. Let's get this game over with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, number one seeded Ravens versus the number three Chiefs. Um, the money line on this one is the Chiefs plus one forty six, Ravens minus one seventy four. We got the spread: Chiefs plus three and a half, Ravens minus three and a half favored to win this game. The total over under um, is forty four and a half, which is. Again, I got mine from Forbes. Yours might be, you know, half a point off or on. Um, and <laughs> so I'll start on this one. I, I mean, I've got – I think Baltimore's defense is going to give major fits to to Kansas City. Um, I think it's going to do a, a fantastic job of eliminating the run game with Isaiah Pacheco. I know he runs hard, but, you know, without them, without Pacheco, you can still kind of escape not having a run game with a quarterback with, at the caliber of Patrick Mahomes which speaking of Mahomes, I think he's going to face a lot of pressure in this game from, from their pass rush. And uh, just that linebacker core in general just does a phenomenal job of just locking down whoever you want them to get the ball to. Um, And it's kind of proven in the NFL, especially this year, that if you have a very solid linebacker core, you're going to go a long, long way. Um, And, and teams like Cowboys should take notes on that. Um, And so I, I don't think, uh, Kansas City's defense, as good as it's been all year, is going to be able to contain Lamar's athleticism, which we talked about earlier 
and the podcast about his ability to mix and match whether he needs to sling it or not um and that he's just so dynamic that it's going to be impossible to stop and so i've got the ravens beating the chiefs 30 to 24 however i am not accounting for the fact that what the nfl wants and what they've wanted all along if you can see the writing on the wall is that they want travis kelsey and taylor swift making out underneath the confetti and they could stop at nothing to get the Chiefs into the Super Bowl. I would not be shocked. It's Patrick Mahomes as well. But it seems like they've it's kind of been scripted towards them to make it. Um, and it's kind of been – I wouldn't say just – no one – I mean, the, the Ravens are the better team here. And yeah. they should win. And I, I trust in Lamar Jackson. There is only one man left in Gotham to save us, and that is Lamar Jackson. The entire country – is rooting for you, Lamar Jackson. For the first time in your life, they're all rooting for you to beat the big bad wolf. He accepted the villain role. Well, you're the second coming of Christ. And be the first, be the first quarterback that, that plays like Michael Vick with that dynamic athleticism to make a Super Bowl in recent memory. You know, why not you? Um, so I'm rooting for Lamar Jackson this weekend. Um, you know, prove everybody wrong or right, however you want to see it. And uh, I've got the Ravens winning 30 to 24. Yeah. And, and also, you know, if the Ravens win, it would save us from the atrocity of having to watch all the white people in Taylor Swift's box swag surf again. That was the worst oh, display of I've ever seen. Um, and, and that was just a travesty. I even saw like an article like written, like what exactly is swag surfing? It's like, brother, you need to like stop. Like you want to talk about uncultured, unseasoned chicken, like that's it. Like an article to say, like, what is the swag surfing? It's like brother. High school kickoff, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, one time. Just one time, please. Have have some feel. Um, but anyway, if if hopefully they win, so we don't have to see that again. However, however, I think for the Chiefs to win, they've got to contain Lamar Jackson running. Okay. Um, not that he can't do it with his arm. I think he can. I just don't have confidence in those receivers. Like I haven't had confidence in them all year. I think Zay Flowers is very good. And I think that's Isaiah likely is very good. I think that the Chiefs defense can match up well against their top receivers and, and their top weapons and whatnot. Um, and with that, I think the biggest thing is going to be able to see if the Chiefs can repeat the offense that they had last week. Now it's going to be a much tougher opponent, obviously, um, but it seems like they're getting it going at the right time. With the with the Ravens, I think this is going to be one game where they can't – I don't think they need to leave their script and try to do anything too fancy. They're a very good team. Their defense is very good. I don't think they need to do anything just incredibly, you know, off script just to beat this team just because – you know, you see the name, you see Mahomes, you see the Chiefs. You're like, oh, my God, we got to do this, this, this. It's like, no, y'all are very good. Do what you do well, right. and it should work out with work out for you um, and whatnot. However, like I said before, I believe Mahomes is inevitable. Oh, shit. You see the writing on the wall. You see the Super Bowl. You see the Super Bowl colors. They got follow the red the money. in them. You follow it. What's going to bring the most money? is when Patrick Mahomes makes it to a Super Bowl again with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift sitting up in the box and all that's involved. I'm following the money here. 
I'm picking the Chiefs to win in a close game, 24 to 20. I think if Mahomes is inevitable. I hope they prove me wrong. But it's just like, as much as I don't want to go with Mahomes, it's like, how how do you not, like, just seeing what he did last week and how it was, like, polar opposite of what yeah. they did throughout the season and being able to turn it up in a playoff game, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It's so kind of funny. I'm taking, I'm taking Mahomes. I'm taking Kansas City 24-20. Yes, sir. It's kind of funny how both of our takes are kind of outside of football, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that yeah. game, it's like we're both like – Please beat Taylor Swift. And it's like Mahomes and Taylor Swift are inevitable if you follow the money. Um, yeah. Both can be true at the same time. Um, so we'll see. So we'll, we'll be, we basically got the 49ers entering the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. And we're hoping the Ravens get there. But it could be either or. It's going to be a, a tight matchup uh, both sides. I think the Lions will give some fits. I mean, um, don't be shocked if the Lions get it done. They are a team of destiny. Um, yeah. And if you had like the 49ers and the Ravens in the Super Bowl, man, that's just like just history, like two gritty teams, like in a Super yeah. Bowl. Like I could expect like if they made it, you could expect like a like a nine to six victory or something like like that's just <laughs> like seeing the names of those teams and what they've all done in the past. Like they've always had good defenses, just seeing like the LSU Alabama, like nine to six 49ers. Yeah. Win. You're like, God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Either way, I think it's going to be an entertaining Super Bowl. Um, you know, and follow the, the logo colors as well. You never know. It, it depicts the Ravens and 49ers. Um, if you really want to believe it's scripted. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is, this is, this has been uh, the Rook and the Kid podcast, episode 32, uh, the Brook and the medical guy. Um, and we, we want to say one thing before we leave. If you try and take our sins, motherfucker, we're going to come at you. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, no, if you're – like I said at the beginning of the podcast, if you're a first-time listener, if this is your um, – if you've been following along, just remember to like, follow, and subscribe and share with your friends. And you can find us on all platforms. If you want to listen to Strictly Audio, um, you can click on the Apple Podcast um, label. You can find us at Track Podcasts. And then Spotify and YouTube are our video and audio uh, platforms as well if you want to find us on there and on all of our social media websites uh, that being Instagram at trackpod or Twitter at the trackpod um, you can find our link tree which gives you access to all those different sorts of things but per usual however it plays out this week you get us next week um, on Wednesday shattering yet another script um, and we will be back in full motion and it is rumored that the kid is going to be returning for next week's episode. Um, so we, we are ready for that for the Rook and the Kid episode. Um, so thank you guys for coming out, the medical guy, as always. Thank you. Yeah, um, go Stars. Go Stars. And uh, congratulations to Adrian Beltre for making the Cooperstown oh, yeah. Hall of Fame today. So that's kind of why it worked. Almost forgot to say it. Um, nice. All right. See you guys next Wednesday. Um, Fuck Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> See y'all.